This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Uh, we talked last uh, by Shal Shudas, we mentioned it very quickly, but there's a halach and Shulchan Aruch, we spoke about it at length a few years ago, and there's an Isra Malacha, Erev Pesach after Chatzos. So we're not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details of what is included, what's not included, but one of the most uh, glaring things that are negated to is shaving and haircuts. So if a person uh, plans on shaving before Pesach, getting a haircut before Pesach, especially if you keep the first Svira, you want to make sure you get your haircut and you get your shave before Chatzos. Every year someone calls that they forgot to shave before Chatzais, and now it's after Chatzais. So there's two sheets in Shulchan Aruch, whether or not you're allowed to ask a goy to give you a haircut or to give you a shave. We are makel, we, we hold you can ask a goy to do it for you. But the problem is most of the barber shops here are not goyim, they're Jews. You gotta, when I was a kid all the barbers were Italian, now they're all Jews. But uh, you got to find a nice Italian to give you a haircut. But lechatchila, you should try to get your haircuts and your shaves done before chatzos. Mishtabura writes, you should try to get your nails cut also before chatzos. But that, there's a little bit more room to be makel because we treat Erev Pesach Acha Chatzos like Chalamite. And there's uh, quite a few Paiskim that hold you can really cut your nails on Chalamite. So Mishtabura's makel, Bishasat Chak, if you forgot to cut your nails before chatzos, you can cut them by yourself. But for the haircuts and the shaving, we should uh, schedule our haircuts appropriately that this way we'll have time to get them all done before chatzos. With regard to other malacha, so the Behalacha basically says we treat it like Chalamite. The problem is no one knows how to treat Chalamite, but we spoke at length, many, many part series, we talked about malacha and Chalamite, so refer back to that, to how you conduct yourself on Chalamite. Uh, Yossi Klein pointed out to me on Thursday, we were talking about Belias in the past, but he asked, what happens if you're not, uh, you're not using the Chalamite Dikha Pats, where do your Chalamite Dikha Pats go over Pesach? Right? So again, I have my Chalamite Dikha Pats, I'm not selling the Pats. I'm not even selling the bleas in the pots. I'm selling the chamas in the pots. Where do I put them? So the Shochanach addresses this question. Shochanach talks about kalim that were not kasherable. And the Shochanach writes, those kalim that are not kasherable, which you can't use over Pesach because they're saturated with bleas chametz. So Shochanach writes very carefully, actually. The Shochanach says he's supposed to put them away in a room and hide the key. And hide the key. So what's the idea of hiding the key? What's this uh, game? So the Mishabur explains, the point is we don't want you accidentally using that pot to cook on Pesach. So that's what it says in the Shulchan Aruch. So what do most people do today? Most people put a piece of tape, some form of a recognition over that. Where does that come from? So that's recorded actually in Rav Shimon Eider's Sefer. There's a lot of Givaldige Chedushim that we know from Hilchas Pesach, from Rav Moshe, that are not found anywhere else except for in that Rav Shimon Eider's Sefer. It's an amazing thing. It's a great Sefer to have. It's in English. But there's so many chidushe, major chidushim in Elchaz Pesach, that I'm not aware that they exist anywhere else except for that sefer written by Rib Shemenaitis. So there he quotes B'Shem of Moshe. Rib Shem Zalman writes the same thing in his sefer, but he quotes B'Shem of Moshe that you can just tape it off. Because the point is we want to make sure you don't come to take out that pot and cook with that pot of Pesach. So you just need some form of a hacker, some form of a recognition, a reminder that this is my chametz sticker pots, and this way I shouldn't come to accidentally take one of them out and cook with them. Rabbi Shmuel Vazner writes in one of his svarim, he thinks that uh, today, because Klai Yisrael has a few dollars, it's probably better not to kasha things, it's better just to buy Pesach, which most of us today have. We have separate Pesach and Chomzdika dishes. Very few people kasha much today, even though they have these community kasha rings, but as years go on and plastic becomes more available and people start to buy dishes, kasha ring becomes le- much less relevant today. The one thing that people... And Eretz Yisrael is still doing, yes, that's true. In America, not as much, but in Eretz Yisrael... I, I didn't deny that they have it. I said they have it. I just don't know how many people are showing up. That's busy? 
Really? I'm surprised. Ah, uh, Becher, something else. I'll get to Becher in a second. The one thing that people like to kasha today is their Becher. Now, there's a twist of irony here because I'm not really convinced you need to kasha your Becher. Now, what's the issue with kasha and your Becher? Now, again, you don't lose by kasha and your Becher. The question is, does your Becher need to be kasha? So let's try to figure out why you should have to kasha your Becher. We know that Allah is, you only have to have kasha things that came in contact with hot chametz. Your Becher did not come in contact with hot chametz, most likely. And the wine, and the wine, in order for the wine to be a problem, the wine would have to have been left there for 24 hours. You generally don't leave wine in your becha for 24 hours. What? Uh, I don't know if all wines, most wines, almost, the higher end wines. The simple wines are not a problem, you're right, the simple wines are gosefe. So why do people kasha their bechers? So one of the arguments they make is, is that, well, you don't know. Your becher was sitting on the table during the Shabbos meal, and someone dropped a hot piece of schnitzel into the becher. Hot piece of schnitzel could be a dover gush, could be a dover gush, it was a bailea into the, into the cup. I will tell me that's so far fetched, the Ramasas and Shulchan Aruch, that when it comes to Pesach, we're choshish from what's called miyatash mishay. Even though obviously the normal usage of a becher is not for hot schnitzel, it's normally used for cold wine, but you have to be choshish from miyatash mishay. That's one argument that people make to kasha the bechers. The other argument is what Moscow is alluding to is that you kasha, you wash it together with hot chomet sticker stuff. Since you wash it together in the same sink or the same dishwasher. Now, a lot of people don't. A lot of people wash their bechers very separately and they don't mix with the other things. Okay, so people have a minute to kasher the bechers. Again, you don't lose anything, but I'm not saying maker, I didn't necessarily have to kasher your bechers. That's the one thing people like to kasher today at the bechers. There's a general kasher, it's not for tonight. It's something to think about that we know there's two mitzvahs that are learned there from the same parish in Chumash. One is Hagolas Kalim and one is Tvilas Kalim. We know when we go to the Kalim Mikvah and you make, you, you table Kalim and make a bracha. When you kasha something, you don't make a bracha. So all the Rishayim and all the Achreinim tumble with this kasha. Why does Hagolas Kalim not have a bracha while Tfilas Kalim does have a bracha? Okay, interesting kasha, something to think about. Um, what about the break front? Many people have break fronts, they have uh, china cabinets, whatever, they keep there. So what do you do with it over Pesach? So you really have to go through what you have in there. Many of the stuff that you have in there probably never really came in contact with Hat Chametz. I happen to have in mind, I happen to have a, a Chalam pot that we put Chalam in. Now again, it's most likely a klisheni because you have the serving, you have the pot, then you have the ladle, which is a machoikis achrein, if that's another kli, then you have the chalom pot. But let's say you be machmer, so you want to put it away for Pesach. Many people have a practice, they like to cover it up with some form of a plastic. You have to walk into someone's house, their break front is like blocked out by some plastic. I'm not really sure what the makar of that is. I don't see why you have to do that. There's no iser. What? I said, but it's an additional hacker. Remember you say you just have to tape it. It's like a hacker upon a hacker. So I would have thought that Gavriel Tzin or Nita Gavriel would endorse such a behavior. He calls it a Chumri Yisrael. He says he doesn't see why you have to do it. I did see Shmuel Kamenetsky likes this idea. He thinks it's a good thing to cover the break front on top of putting a piece of tape on the break front. Okay. And if you want to do that, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not necessarily required a pi halacha. Um, we were talking a little bit. Once we're in the kitchen, let's just talk very quickly. If you're up to that stage of kashering or cleaning your kitchen, very, very big So the areas in the kitchen that are the biggest concern of those areas that came in contact with chametz through a bleah. There's two issues that we're worried about over Pesach. We're worried about chametz ben, substantive chametz that's left somewhere in the kitchen. Again, the kitchen is the most uh, important room in the house, in the dining room, because that's where food is mostly used. So we're worried about chametz ben, we're worried about some pieces of chametz that got left, and we're worried about bleas, something got absorbed into something. So let's say, for example, in your fridge, in your, free, in your freezer, we're not worried about bleas. Why are we not worried about bleas in your freezer? Because everything that goes to the freezer is predominantly cold, there's very little bleas taking place in your fridge and freezer. So what is the concern with your fridge and freezer? There's actual mamashas chametz. There's sticky stuff, there's crumbs, there's pieces. So the answer to the fridge and freezer is just clean it out well, 
with the water, hot water and soap, clean it out, and then your fridge and freezer are technically kosher. There's a practice which might come from the Mishnah Bura that we layer, we put everything, uh, covering on everything. That's why you go and you see everything that people have, their shelves are, uh, they have uh, lining on the shelves of the fridge. Strictly speaking, it's not an issue of belias because there's no belias in your fridge. So why do people do it? The chashash is that maybe there's some sticky stuff that got left in the fridge and then it's going to touch the Pesach stuff and somehow it'll end up in your mouth. To me, it sounds a little far-fetched, but okay, that's Minna Yisrael. That's what most people today in Klai will do, is that we put uh, a layer of some form of covering. But then you don't need to do that in your fridge. Now, the more complicated part of the fridge is the counters. The counters are more complicated because the counters could really have hablias of chametz in them. How could you counters have hablias of chametz? One of two ways. Either you spilled accidentally something onto the counter. You were carrying a hot soup. You were carrying a hot tray of food. And it spilled onto the counter. It got absorbed into the counter. Or perhaps you took a hot pot and put it directly on the counter. And that pot had some moisture on it. That's another way possibly that hablias can go through the counter. So what do you do with the counter? So my personal suggestion is cover it. Don't kasher it. It's a big asik. It's a big tumble. It's not worth it. For one week, just cover it with some form of a strong covering that doesn't rip, and you yoytze, you don't have to worry. In Eretz Yisrael, they're more machim. In Eretz Yisrael, they kasher and cover. In America, most places don't suggest requiring that. Even missing karelets. And B'nai Brak didn't require that. But uh, in Eretz Yisrael, it's more machim. The chassidim are much more machim. They do both. I wouldn't tell you to do both. I would tell you just cover all your counters. Because kashering counters are very tedious, very messy, very uh, sloppy, and a lot of water, and usually not done correctly. And it's not worth it. Just cover it. You can get covering in all the stores. Just cover it and make sure it's a sturdy covering and you don't have to worry about it. That would be my personal suggestion. Um, there are certain materials that can't even be kashered. So if you have a material that can't be kashered, it's not even a gay. But if the, if the material could be kashered, I wouldn't tumul, I wouldn't bother with it for the week of Pesach. I would just cover it. Um, the sink is the real tough one. The sink is a tough one. So if you have a sink that is kasherable, so then you really should kasher your sink. Now the truth is between me and you, if you're not going to be doing heavy, heavy dishes in your sink, I would suggest not kashering it and getting a sink insert. If you go to the stores over here, you can get what's called a sink insert, a big plastic thing that goes into your sink. This way, none of your pots touch the walls of the sink, nothing touch, no issues of bleus. It's a lot easier than kashering your sink. The only problem with the sink insert is it starts to back up and it gets very, very dirty. So if you're going to be washing a lot of pots and a lot of dishes, I don't suggest the sink insert. But if you're not home for many meals and you don't really going to be spending a lot of time at your sink and you're using throwaway plastic, go get the, the sink insert. I think it's like, I don't know, $30. It's, a, it's an investment. It's probably worth the money. Cashering a sink is very tedious and very difficult. So that's uh, my personal suggestion. Now, the more complicated part of the kitchen is the oven. How to cash an oven. So if you have a self-clean oven, so self-cleaning ovens are pretty simple. You don't have to wait 24 hours. You don't have to even clean it out. You don't have to spray easy off. You just crank it up to the self-clean. Let it run for three hours. It will stink up your entire house. But you will have a kashered oven. If you are not zeichet to have a self-cleaning oven. So how do you cash your oven? And this is a very sorry stick of And this is another source that we have from Reb Shimon Eir Sefer. Reb Moshe Feinstein had a Gavaldik Echidr. Reb Moshe Feinstein held, you can't kasher a non-self-clean oven unless you have a blowtorch. And I definitely do not suggest anyone taking a blowtorch to your oven. I'm telling you right now, it's a bad idea, even if you know what you're doing. Okay? So you, uh, I definitely don't suggest it. So how are you going to kasher your oven according to Reb Moshe Feinstein? So according to Reb Moshe, you really can't kasher the oven. So you have two choices. You can either go to a hotel for Pesach, or what's one option. Or according to Moshe, what you can do is you buy a, a, an insert, a, basically a metal box, where you put your food in and it's completely covered. And this way, no bleas come in, no bleas come out. That's according to Moshe. Now, some other eights you can play according to Moshe. Perhaps you can wrap everything with many wraps. 
but it's not so practical. But that's the Chiddush of Moshe Feinstein. The majority of American poets can disagree with Moshe, like a Baron Cutler and a Biakim Kabinetsky. They held that our ovens can be cashed with what's called Liban Kal. Liban Kal is different fundamentally than Liban Gomer. We don't have the time to get into all the nitty gritty differences, so I'm going to say it very bekitzer. In order to cash your non self clinical and Liban Kal, what you need to do is two things. You need to wait 24 hours because it's Liban Kal. You need to make sure it's not have any mamoshes in it. You have to wash it out. You have to spray easy off on it. Wait 24 hours, then you, then you crank it up to the highest setting for anywhere between different opinions. We'll call it an hour. It's a pshar in between the different opinions. And that's how you kasher your uh, non-self-clean oven. Now, the problem with the non-self-clean oven are the racks are a question. Some places come out, those racks are not kashered with a libun kal. Some suggest getting new racks. Some suggest... Uh, uh, wrapping the racks, others hold you could cash the racks, but it's a little bit more complicated. But again, Minig Yisrael today is not like this Chumr of Ramayisha, which if we have time, maybe we'll talk about where Ramayisha was coming from. But Lamaisa, I think the more accepted approach in America today is that we do kasher non-self-clean ovens. If we have time, maybe we'll talk about the microwave. That's a really, really geshmaka topic, if you can kasher a microwave. The faucet in the sink, right? But the faucet in the sink, you want to kasher as well, yeah. You want to cash that as well because the food goes up, the zaya goes up into the food, and sometimes if you take the pot, sometimes you stick it too high, the food mamish touches the uh, the sink. So that's something you want to cash as well. So the real things you want to give attention to is the oven. You want to give attention to the sink. Again, the counters I just suggest as an etzatayva just cover it. Unless you uh, have hakpada, why you don't want to cover it? I would suggest, from a halachic standpoint, cover it. It's much safer for microwaves. We're not going to get into it now. My suggestion is, if you can splurge, buy a separate microwave for Pesach. If you can't splurge, we'll have to talk about it a different time. How do you go about uh, kashering?